Hello and welcome to Series 5 of the BIM Academy Digital Climate Podcast. I'm Paul Thorpe, one of the directors here at BIM Academy, and thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. The construction industry is one of the largest contributors to climate change, and there is an urgent need for us to adapt to a more sustainable way of working and to reduce our carbon emissions. In this podcast series, I've invited guests from across the industry to talk about the innovative ways we are using digital technologies to combat climate change and to help us design and build a greener, smarter and cleaner built environment. Hello and welcome. Today I'd like to introduce my guest, Maria fernandez Cachiferro. Maria is the Head of Sustainability at Multiplex, with over 10 years' experience in the UK and abroad, driving sustainability within the built environment. In her current role, Maria is responsible for all aspects of ESG, including the delivery of the 2030 strategies, One Decade to Act, Multiplex's Roadmap to Decarbonisation, and Leave No One Behind, their social equity strategy. Maria is a member of the World Green Building Council's Corporate Advisory Board and co-chair of the Supply Chain Sustainability School's Modern Slavery Group. Welcome, Maria. So I'd like to start. I'm very interested to hear about Multiplex's approach to sustainability and its one decade to act uh, strategy, the roadmap to decarbonisation. I'd like to know where this originated from and what you aim to achieve through its implementation. Thank you very much for the introduction, Paul. One decade back, set, uh, set out the actions that we will undertake this decade to help our operations achieve net zero by 2050, as I said before, and this includes our supply chain emissions. So one decade back is our public commitment to achieve five carbon emissions goals by 2030. First one, zero on-site emissions by 2025, and note that I've set zero and not net zero. Second one, 50% reduction in body carbon intensity by 2030. Third one, net zero carbon building operations by 2030. Fourth one, zero transport emissions by 2030. And fifth one, zero avoidable waste by 2030. We have set targets both for ourselves, but also for the emissions within our supply chain. These are based on a number of factors that include government policy, regulations, industry commitments, academic research, uh, and most importantly, science and a very data-driven approach and then driven by best practice benchmarks. We can actually eliminate carbon from our operations, but real benefits come when we collaborate with our supply chain and our clients, empowering them to eliminate carbon from their operations and business practices. This approach is fundamental to our decarbonization pathway because 98 to 99% of our carbon footprint, as we've seen in our data from 2017 to 2022, is associated with our scope three emissions. So we must work together if we want to achieve results. Brilliant. Well, uh, something I, I sort of noticed as you um, you talked through that, you um, elaborated and you, you specified the difference between zero and net zero. So um, I guess, obviously, um, as a construction organization, you're never going to not be um, producing some carbon offset or some carbon emissions. But how do you look to offset those um, uh, those emissions that you are producing? Uh, at present time, we are currently not offsetting any of our emissions. So there is a hierarchy uh, of reduction first. Uh, it was, sorry, eliminating reduction offsetting. So yes. we need we are currently going through this process. And then in the future, we will be reviewing um, the offset situation and contribute to this. We are uh, very critical of 
net zero carbon claims that are out there where it's actually just not doing anything to reduce your emissions, but just to pay for uh, offsets, which is something that we are currently not in favor of. There is recognized offset frameworks, including the UK DBCS one. So there is best practice uh, guidelines on how to procure your offsets. Nothing wrong with that. But first, you have to do everything you can not to generate the emissions in the first place. Really interested to understand how you undertook that journey of the first instance of capturing and understanding what your organization's carbon emissions were. I guess that would be the first step for many organizations around the globe is to understand the current state of affairs and then look at improvement strategies. So really interesting to know um, how big of an undertaking it was and, and how did you go about beginning to understand um, multiplexes carbon emissions as a, as a global business? Yeah, I would say that is definitely challenge number one. We've handled a vast amount of data for our internal and external reporting requirements. What we benefit from, I think, in the UK is that sustainability has been a well-established discipline with reporting requirements for a few years. So when we are asking our supply chain to give us the information from, let's say, transport materials, etc. That information is readily available and they are familiar with the system uh, we use where we ask them to report that information. I am lucky that I work with a team of um, eight sustainability managers across the projects that work with our supply chain on a day-to-day basis and go through this data day in, day out. Um, but we use, at the moment, two key platforms, the SmartWays and QFlow, where we capture all that data, and then it gets reviewed and verified on a monthly basis. We have actually, uh, a couple of months ago, completed the process of having our carbon data externally verified by a third party to ISO 14064. They've reviewed all of our 2022 carbon data to a reasonable level of assurance for all relevant categories except employee community. And I think that we are actually the only contractor who's gone through that process and it gives me great confidence on the systems that we have in place but that is not to uh, underestimate the work that is involved on handling all that data we have um, a sustainability dashboard that leads on power bi that has been developed in-house by our uh, expert team that gives us all that information and a very quick glance but more important what is important is the actual quality of the data that fits that dashboard, and that is all thanks to the work that is being done by the teams on site and supply chain to have that data uh, up to a good standard. And it is becoming more and more important as we see, for example, the London Plan now asks to report on a spill uh, embodied carbon, like some of that information is not available because the supply chain is not there yet, the manufacturers are not there yet, but it's through like requesting it and pushing for more that we will get there and the number of assumptions will go down and the number of accurate and real data will go up. Brilliant. Um, so I'd like to ask my next question and as very um, poignantly put in the name of your um, strategy, One Decade to Act, we know that there is an urgency to decarbonize um, globally and specifically in construction with construction accounting for around 30% global carbon emissions. Um, how do we reduce this number? And specifically, what do you see the role of a main contractor playing in this process through value engineering, procurement, and general site management? 
actually, I'm going to challenge you there and change that percentage and put it slightly different and give you a, a few different stats. So think about global annual carbon emissions. Buildings are responsible for 39% of global related energy um, carbon emissions. 28% of those come from operational emissions. So that is heating, cooling, power. And 11% of those from construction materials. Now think about the concrete production that contributes to 8% of the global emissions. And cement is 3%. Steel making accounts for 7%. And now I will ask you, like, what do you think the percentage for aviation industry is? To be honest, I'm forgetting the stats from a recent book I, I read on the avi- aviation industry. But I think that's one of the key sort of challenges for all of this is, is like we said at the top, is, is that understanding the um, current state of affairs and what the current benchmarks are. Um, there's lots of percentages that can get thrown around, but it's understanding exactly where you are and then understanding what your improvement strategy will do against those overall percentages and overall um, carbon emissions. Good answer, Paul. Now I'll give you the answer to that aviation question, which is 2%. So if you remember, I mentioned concrete global production contributes to 8%. So that is four times more CO2 than aviation-related emissions. And if we put that into perspective, in terms of like country emissions, the concrete industry would be the third largest emitter of the world, with only China and the USA emitting more uh, emissions than the concrete industry. So now that I've helped put in, or I try to put this into perspective, we can see that there is a massive opportunity and that the impact of decarbonizing the construction industry is huge. I mentioned earlier a few of the commitments that we have made to decarbonize key materials, such as concrete and steel production. And we have been actually leading the way of facilitating the use of steel in our projects. This is an area where digital construction has been a massive enabler. We have used the BIM model to be able to cross-reference the stock list that we get from our provider so that we can see the li- a list of the steel members that are available for use against the steel members that have been designed by the consultants for the steel structure. So then we can do a mix and match of the reduced steel versus the one that we want to um, fabricate new. To put this into like technical numbers, I'm going to possibly go into a little bit of detail, but then there is something called the ICE, which is the inventory of carbon and energy. That is what we use as reference figures for average embodied carbon uh, of materials. So if we take Virgin steel from a blast oxygen furnace that is between 2,450 to 3,000 are from carbon kilograms of CO2 per ton. If we consider instead of BOF steel electric car furnace, so a different uh, manufacturing route, that is between 900 and 1,200 kilograms of CO2 per ton. And now if we consider reusing steel, so reuse steel in its original form, that is 50 to 100 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per ton. So looking at the most conservative figures, we can see that reusing steel is approximately 25 times better than blast oxygen furnace steel and around 10 times better than electric arc furnace. This is a procurement route that was not being considered. So we were just looking at buildings as demolishing, taking everything out, and then thinking of an, the next um 
use of steel, but most likely as part of recycled content for um, new steel. However, now we are challenging the uh, we are challenging the we are challenging the norm, and what we are looking is like how can we dismantle buildings and then take their steel and bring it um, back in with very clear benefits in terms of circular economy principles, use of materials, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, ultimately working towards this body carbon reduction. Other ways how digital construction can help us is by eliminating or designing our waste, using BIM to optimize and coordinate design, minimizing reworks and therefore avoiding waste um, coming from those reworks. And then something that we've been working on for a few years and that is definitely becoming more and more important are materials, material passports. So this is taking almost like the O&M to the next step Material passports are designed to collect information such as carbon emissions, material composition, maintenance requirements, etc. And they are key to ensure that we embed circular economy principles in our project. So that to give you an example, we have all the information to hand about how we can disassemble an element that then can be reduced. Then when the, that building comes to its maintenance cycle or is the end of life, and all the information is there available to make those informed decisions and take the material to its next step. It's really interesting. Obviously, um, as a contractor, you're, you're responsible for assembling the building, working through the designs and pulling all of the materials together. How much importance and how much of a more active role do you think uh, main contractors like yourselves will be having to play in that vertical integration of the supply chain? to um, either control or heavily influence um, material manufacturers and, and suppliers to provide the data that is needed for, for um, accurate records, but then also to um, lead in improvement methods um, to, you know, to drive a decarbonisation approach. I would say there is two key points here. The first one is that we are all very eager to share all the good stories, all the good news, and get them all out on social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we don't necessarily share the pitfalls very openly. So we allow others to make the same mistakes again, just because we don't want to say we tried this and it didn't work. So I think that collaboration and transparency is key to drive the industry forward. The second key point is early contractor involvement. The latest we get on board with the project team, the list of opportunities we have to actually make change and bring that expertise that ourselves and our supply chain partners have in terms of like what's the latest innovations in the, in the market, what's have, what worked well in their last project. So it's almost like a curve diagonally heading downhill. That is like the more time it goes, the least opportunities we have. So my key recommendations is collaboration, transparency, early engagement. Yeah, it's an interesting point you raised about collaboration. It's um, the construction industry is, is very easy to, um, or, or very keen to share successes, but very, um, very resistant to share failures. And, and it, re repeating success is one of the biggest problems that the industry faces because it's not a it doesn't work off a, a model where people learn and sort of pick up lessons learned from previous projects. A lot of um, times it's reinventing the wheel and it's, it's a very slow um, cycle to improvements. Um, obviously, the, the benefits to all this are 
immense and potentially, you know, going to be critical factors um, in the years to come. But we've already touched on some of them, but what, what are the biggest challenges uh, that you see? And, and, and it'd be great to sort of talk about what potential solutions um, are out there, whether they're uh, more government incentives, um, more collaboration and sharing within the industry and, and other techniques such as more technology use. It'd be great to sort of um, go through some of those. The main challenge at the moment is that decarbonizing the construction industry is somehow being perceived as an option, when in reality it is not if we want to limit global warming 1.5 degrees. We keep getting reminded of climate emergencies that we try to ignore unless they actually happen in our doorstep. I'm originally from Spain, as surely you can tell from my accent. And in April, they have recorded the highest ever temperatures for the, that time of the year very close to 40 degrees in San Diego. And we can also think back to the UK's heat wave last year when temperatures reached around 40 degrees in July. If we add to this, the, the latest IPCC report that was released earlier this year made it very clear that we are getting very little chance of keeping the world under that 1.5 degrees. This is the point where we need to realize that this is not an option. We actually need to act now. Governments keep going to COP26, COP27 and agreeing that they are going to act, but somehow they manage to avoid that. And that commitment gets passed to private companies like uh, Multiplex and individuals like ourselves to make that voluntary decision to act if we actually want to make a positive difference. We could talk about costs, legislation, confusing terminology, definitions, offsets, greenwashing, etc. But the reality is that sustainable construction is possible now and that we just need to stop the blah, blah, blah. As like Greta said, uh, talking about COP26, and we actually need to act now. The technology that you mentioned is available now. Resources are available for people to deliver through sustainable construction. What we just need to do is to do it now and stop talking about net zero carbon ready buildings. Is like ready by when and things like that and just actually do it. I really, I really like that um, that message. Yeah, it, it's not an option anymore. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's it's not a, an additional to a project. It's yeah, it should be yeah. business as usual. Yeah. So we spoke earlier about collaboration, and I think integrated project delivery is key. This is a project delivery model that I witnessed when I lived in Canada. I worked for Multiplex in Canada for two and a half years, and it is all about collaboration and transparency across all the stakeholders of the project. So they everybody shares risk and reward. Everybody gets involved at a very early project stage. So that includes client, architect, contractor, supply chain, etc. They all enter a common contract. So there is no contradiction that may um, put different priorities for different stakeholders. And what happens is that for every change, the project brief, everybody needs to be in agreement. So it doesn't come to a point where uh, somebody can say like, oh, actually, I don't like that finish. Actually, I prefer this. There is like, what's the key driver? Reducing carbon. Okay, that is our main focus and we're going to bring everything to the table. I really like um, that sentence you said about it not being an option anymore. I think that's a really strong message that this isn't just value engineering. This is actually needs to be business as usual. It needs to be the approach from the start to look at decarbonisation. Um, you also mentioned about um, integrated project delivery. Um, and I guess we've sort of 
scuttled around the topic, but um, technology and, and BIM and new approaches are playing a, a bigger and bigger role in projects. And I guess for the course of the years that you've been uh, leading with um, sustainability, how have you seen that this new uh, process of managing and collecting data has enabled your role and, and your sort of um, department to better understand the impact and um, approach of uh, sustainable construction? In all of our projects, we have a model-first approach. So that means that the BIM model is central to everything that we do. I mentioned earlier one of our projects where we are looking at that we use a steel piece and we have used the BIM model to understand which steel elements could be um, not new constructed but reused. And we have done that by collaborating across all the stakeholders, the consultants, supply chain, steel making, steel maker. Um, and it's been led by the digital manager and the sustainability manager. And we have taken that one step farther to include all, all the embodied carbon information of the different elements of the building within that BIM model. What we are working now is how we can track that throughout the course of the project, moving it from like when we can first get the consultants models, then that then they get move on to the supply chain models and how we can use that to report to meet, for example, the London plan guidance on the field emissions, etc. So embracing technology is actually giving us the time to automate some of those reporting tasks that we went through earlier and then focus it on where can we add value and deliver on those reductions. So the least manual input that we need into like those calculations to see, for example, how much body carbon we are going to save by replacing a steel unit from being newly fabricated to reuse is going to give us the advantage to deliver more benefits for the project. Excellent. Yeah, I, I can really see how um, moving to digital is is just a complete game changer for all of this because it's, you know, it obviously it can get too much for any sort of manual um, recording and, and record keeping. It needs to be on a digital format and uh, manage through that process. So really great to hear that the advances in, in BIM and, and the way that sort of um, evolved in the industry is now at a point where it can really help this, you know, very critical um, objective for the industry moving forward. You've been very gracious with your time today, and I'd like to end with just asking you um, one more question, um, and that is, what are the key takeaways that you would like to sort of raise to give to people in terms of what they can do in this field um, and how they can help and um, push the decarbonisation agenda forward? I would say there are three key takeaways for me. The first one is challenging the norm, not because something has been done in a particular way. Traditionally, that means that is the most efficient way. You think about particular materials that have been used traditionally in construction, that does not mean that they cannot change. We obviously have challenges then with building regs, approving materials to be used in construction, etc. But just think if nobody asks the question, no, it will never change. Embrace technology. There are lots of startups that keep coming out every day. I appreciate how sometimes a little bit overwhelming to know if they are going to be to be useful for you or not and for your projects, your company, etc. But there is always an opportunity of integration and it surely we've spoken about automating manual tasks and particularly when we think about data and it's that 
time-saving, focusing resources. Our brain is something that machines will, that innovation they cannot bring to us in terms of like that challenge, the norm point that I first brought. So it's, technology can help us liberating our time to be able to come up with different solutions that can address decarbonizing the construction industry. And then we've spoken about transparency, collaboration. And for me, it's very important to be honest and true to yourself, decarbonizing the construction industry and all other industries around us is something that does not depend on one individual, but a collective effort. So just share what works, what doesn't, what you are working towards, and let's make sure that we deliver on all of our ambitions. Fantastic. I like that. The challenge to the norm, embrace technology, being transparent. And I especially like your message about this isn't an option anymore. Well, Maria, thank you for the time today. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. And again, thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. My pleasure.